Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 21, verses 1 through 17. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see, your king, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying, they asked him? Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read, from the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise? And he left them and went out to the city of Bethany, where he spent the night. Thank you, God, for this reading of your word. Thank you, Brian, and uh, thank you, band. Hey, Faith family, it's, uh, isn't it great to be here on Palm Sunday together? And if you are new here this morning, I especially want to welcome you, and I hope that you find that, that this is a safe place to be. I also want to announce something to you. Uh, Jessica Bernard has served as our director of Love and Learn Christian Child Care and Preschool for 16 years, and sadly, she will be leaving us in a couple of weeks. Uh, it was a hard for her decision for her to make, but she has taken a, a staff position, church staff position at her church, St. Paul Lutheran here in Millard. Um, and uh, I know a lot of you know Jessica. Some of you have had kids that went through the program here. Uh, maybe some of you worked with her. And so if you would like to leave her a card... You can do that today. You can do that next Sunday. We've got a box set up on a table in that east entryway. And uh, there's a nicely decorated box. And there are some, some note cards there. So if you want to just take one and write a note to her today, you can do that. Drop it in the box. Of course, you can bring something next Sunday, too, if you'd like to do that. And I also want to say, if, any, if someone here would be interested in applying for that position, or you know somebody who might be, please contact Alan Hansen. 
and our, he's our business ad, uh, manager, and uh, he can tell you all about it, answer your questions, give you the job description, all the rest. But uh, I want you to know that this is not something that is just additional or we rent out the space. This is part of the ministry of our church, okay? So let's, let's take a moment now and pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come as the fire and burn. Come as the wind and cleanse. Come as the light and reveal. Show us our sin. Turn us around. Set us apart until we are wholly yours. Amen. Well, I uh, have to hand it to uh, Bruce Bowers because on Thursday, looking at the email, he, he was the first one that I know to catch something that not only we're going to have a live donkey in church today, the title of today's message is Time to Clean God's House. <laughs> you know, sometimes we're just more relevant than we realize. In just a bit, I'm going to ask you to huddle up into groups of four, give or take, and respond to this question, what has annoyed you, and I'm talking about in the past or your lifetime, what has annoyed you when, it, when you came to worship, either at this church or some other church? Uh, now, as you do this, no names, please, especially not mine. Uh, not even the names of other congregations or other denominations, we are, we're not here to put anybody down. Just share what you experienced. And as you're about to begin in your huddle, uh, glance around. If you see somebody who's alone, you can say, yeah, come join us. And, and if you'd rather not huddle up, feel free to say, no, thanks. And, and if you want to get in the huddle and just listen and not talk, you're welcome to do that. Um, anyway, so you'll get in. You'll introduce yourselves. And, uh, and like we always do whenever we do this, you're going to have to move right along because you only get two minutes starting now.
All right. It doesn't look like you're in any danger of running out of material. Right? I remember some years ago, a dear, a dear sweet uh, woman in our church uh, told me, said, the thing that you know, really bothers me is, Steve, is when you reach into your pocket and you jingle your keys. That really just, just gets to me. Yeah. Uh, anyway, today's scripture is full of joy and praise. And uh, uh, Brian just read for us from Matthew's gospel, Jesus entering Jerusalem, uh, you know, uh, as a humble king, riding on a donkey. And the, the, the cheering crowd, you know, mostly people from the north, from Galilee, they're, they're laying down their coats to make this path for Jesus to ride on. And, and they cut down branches and they, they wave them and they, you know, they shout from one of the Passover psalms. Hosanna, I mean, Lord, save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And when the crowd enters Jerusalem, I mean, people are going, what is going on? Who are all these people? You know, what's the party about? And, and then and the people ask about Jesus, who is this guy? Who is this guy? And, you know, some of us today may feel like we're part of the cheering crowd. You know, go, Lord, go. And some of us are, are wondering, we're going, who is this guy? And then Jesus goes to the place that every, every Jew would go when they first arrive in Jerusalem. He walks into the temple courtyard. And he has been coming to this place at least three times a year his entire life. This is where Jews believe they are closest to God. But something is wrong. Jesus is definitely annoyed. Let's open our Bibles to uh, Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 21, verse 12. Now, Matthew's Gospel does not mention that this, this, this part of the story we're going to look at today uh, actually happens the next day on Monday. Mark's gospel gives us a little more chronological detail here. And Mark says that on Sunday, Jesus, after the, the entry into Jerusalem, he simply went into the temple courts and looked around. But it was getting late, and so he and his disciples went back to Bethany, a two-mile walk uh, where he and his disciples would spend the night. Now, I wonder if overnight Jesus thought through what he was about to do. I wonder if he rehearsed it in his mind. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to say. So that by the time he arrived on Monday morning, everything was planned out. Verse 12. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. Now, the temple courts, uh, there was an out, a walled-in open-air area, quite large, 25 acres, about 19 football fields. It was the largest enclosed space in the Roman Empire. And because it was almost Passover, I am sure the place was just noisy like you cannot believe thousands of buying sheep and cooing doves and people haggling over prices. And, you, of course, you could only buy your sacrificial animals uh, using proper Jewish coins. So if you had Roman money, which was 
probably likely if you didn't live in the Judea area, uh, then you would have to exchange it. And uh, fortunately, they had tables there where you could do that for a price. And I can't help but wonder how much the chief priests profited from all of this arrangement. What was their, what was their cut for charging prime space to preferred vendors? And what Jesus did that day could be called a prophetic act. It wasn't, it wasn't a long-term solution to the problem. It, it, he was, it was meant to make a bold statement, and it did. I'm especially intrigued where it says, he drove out all who were buying and selling there. Now, if Jesus had a car, I could understand what that means. He drove them out, but he didn't. The, the word drove out uh, is also Matthew's favorite word for when Jesus was, would drive out demons, okay? Drove them out. It was also used when Jesus talked about the final judgment and those who are cast out into the outer darkness because they were unrepentant. So in that same kind of line, Jesus drove out these people by his authority. Now, how did he do it? Did he have help? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, maybe he organized his followers to go kind of arm in arm and create a human wall that would move along and kind of squeeze people out of the whole temple courtyard. John's gospel says that Jesus made a whip. Did the crack of his whip send the sheep scurrying off with, the, with their handlers kind of following close behind? Or were Jesus' words enough to cause people to go, oh, and slink away? One thing I'm sure of is that Jesus did not do a Will Smith. <laughs> he, did not, he did not strike anyone. His actions were fierce but not violent. And then Jesus does some table tipping. Uh, he walks over to the money tables and overturns them, and he knocks over the benches of the dove sellers. So I can just see thousands of coins rolling all over the ground and hundreds of doves just escaping into the sky. <laughs> now, I'm sure there were a lot of people who were surprised that Jesus did this. Like, we did not see that coming. Was he trying to get himself arrested? Just the day before, he came into town as a humble king, you know, gentle and riding on a donkey. What happened to gentle Jesus? Apparently, gentle Jesus could also bring judgment. And it would do us well to remember all of Jesus, wouldn't it? Jesus is indignant that a place meant for prayer and worship has been turned into a marketplace. And that is, because of this episode, it's probably one reason that you don't see churches uh, with, with billboards on their property, right? Uh, we don't have signs out on our lawn offering, uh, you know, church discounts to, at, the, at the local uh, car wash. We don't sell sponsorships during worship. Today's opening song is brought to you by Connie's Conies and Cones. We don't do that. Why? 
because Jesus taught us that we must not turn special places of prayer into places of profit. I remember many years ago, I was at a district pastor's Christmas party at the district superintendent's house. And I got into a discussion with some people. I I would call them friends. I knew them a little bit, and pastor and his wife. And uh, we got into a discussion about how uh, their church was creating extra income. They were using a program, you've probably heard of the name of it, where they, they gave people these cards listing 20 to 30 retailers. Uh, and when the people showed their cards when they were checking out, then the church got a tiny percentage. I'm sure they've got an app for that now, right, instead of the cards. Now, the way my friends saw it, I mean, this was, this was free money for the church. It didn't cost them anything. Or did it? I told them, I, I would never do that in my church. And we got into this conversation, and I wanted to share with you a summary of some of the things that I, I brought up. First, the church is not meant to be used as a marketing tool for companies or businesses. We, we don't want to be their, their pawns. I've, I've had real estate agents ask if they could put up flyers about houses for sale in our church. And I say no. I, sometimes I've even seen marketing flyers out in the foyer. I throw them away. That's not what we're about. Second, with any organization, you'll find that there's a limited number of things we can communicate effectively. You might be surprised how much we work on this in staff meeting because we know we can't tell you about 20 things to look forward to or your eyes will glaze over and you won't get any of it. We push the limits all the time anyway. And if we're promoting where you should go buy groceries so the church can get that half a percent, then we're not talking about how we can be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. And then third, relying on outside sources of income weakens our sacrificial giving. Some online retailers even today will allow you to designate a tiny portion of the sales to a nonprofit organization. And I have no problem if you designated Faith Westwood as that nonprofit, but I'm not going to put on a campaign about it either. You have to work that out on your own. But I don't want you to assume that by shopping at these online retailers that you are fulfilling your role in supporting your church. It's important for each of us to learn the spiritual practice of sacrificial giving. Well, by the end of this conversation at the Christmas district party, I was probably more animated than I should have been. And my wife's friend got upset and blurted out, well, I'm certainly not going to tithe. I had no more to say. Maybe I'd said too much already. But I think it all goes back to the main message of for today, 
that Jesus taught us that we must not turn special places of prayer into places of profit. It's, un, it's unhealthy to mix worship and wealth-making because worship will always be the loser in that arrangement. Now, don't get me wrong. I want all of you to be prosperous and profitable. I want you to have an income you can live on. I want you to have a pleasant place to live and reliable transportation. But Jesus says we cannot love both God and money, and if we try to do both, money will become the master. Now, just so you know, some of you are going to say, but what about Steve? What about this? Well, I would say, yes, I do allow, I have allowed our, our scout troops to sell popcorn here once a year because we've been their chartering organization for this nonprofit youth organization. And I also allow in sale, in church sales on a limited basis, like when the ladies want to have their spring, annual spring luncheon and they sell tickets, I'm, I'm going to be okay with that. And then we have a little shop set up during vacation Bible school. I'm going to be okay with that. Now, with, with books, we could sell them, but we've, we've really gone into the, into the track of uh, we'd rather give them away and let you know a suggested donation. And a lot of you are very pleased to give the suggested donation, and some of you give extra so we can g- hand out other books for free. Thank you. But let's go back to verse 12 where it says, he overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. Here's my question. What table is Jesus ready to overturn in this church? Now, that's a hard question to ask, isn't it? Because when Jesus did this in the temple, uh, we, everybody was surprised. You know, like, well, we didn't see this coming. And and we're probably not going to see what's coming when Jesus shows up here and starts turning over some tables. But here's a possibility. You know, we live in a culture where we expect to be entertained everywhere we go, right? Sometimes, you know, when I, when I, I used to stand up here at the beginning of the service, I'm not doing it right now, but, but, you know, kind of begin the service. And and a lot of times I, I, I would have this feeling like I'm a TV host, you know, and I'm tempted to say, well, we've got a great show lined up for you today. I must resist that impulse. In our culture, we view nearly everything through the lens of entertainment. And we assume that everything's got to be about pleasing me and being a delight to me and and." W- When the way of the culture becomes the way of the church, watch out. Jesus might be just getting ready to turn over some tables. Here's another question. This is more personal. What table is Jesus ready to overturn in your life? What's Jesus about to to turn upside down? What values, what beliefs, what behaviors? In my, in my uh, faith group last week, one guy said, and he, he gave me permission to, to share this with you, he said that a few years ago, God laid on his heart that he needed to become a more empathetic person to try to understand people's feelings from their point of view. And he said, this is not natural 
for him. <laughs> but it's, it's something that Jesus is saying, I'm going to help you. We're going to work on this together. Jesus is overturning this in his life. In my, in my reading, uh, I recently came across this uh, testimony from a, a lady named Grace Simpson about how Jesus is overturning some tables in her life. She says, television, social media, the internet, the incessant checking of my iPhone, etc., have all served as an escape for me. When I would come home from work looking for rest, when I felt alone, when I simply wanted to press pause on whatever was occupying, occupying my thoughts, I knew, for example, that television could meet my needs. I needed it. Little did I know, she says, it was consuming me. It invited me into a different reality, offered me a new sense of self, replaced my feeling of purpose, provided me with a fictional community, and gave my life new meaning. I wanted to escape, but I never thought to ask what type of place I was escaping to. She says, in the last year, and, and more so in the last couple months, as I continue to walk away from those things, I have planted myself, poured myself into my neighbors, devoted myself to society's outcasts, and lost myself in a bigger story. She said, community is all around me. She said, before... When I wanted to grow and heal, I, I, I focused on how to improve myself. Ironically, once I began to lose myself in serving others, I found myself. She says, I'm, I'm pretty sure Jesus said this. Unlike any idol, when we devote ourselves to Jesus, she says, we receive something greater in return. So what table might Jesus be ready to overturn in your life? And he does it not because he's mean, not because he's a bully, but because he loves you. He wants what's best for you. Let's pray about that now, shall we? Lord Jesus, you are gentle, yet you can also be challenging. And we just want to say that we're ready to listen. We're, we're at least ready to try to listen, even when it's hard to hear. Show us how to keep following your priorities in our lives and not put profit ahead of prayer, to not let wealth come before worship. And now, dear God, we, we come before you each with our own needs, our requests, and you have encouraged us, God, to, to ask freely because you are a generous giver. So now we're going to take a couple of minutes so we can each pray silently bringing to God whatever is on our hearts, and you are free to, to pray where you are seated, and you're also welcome to come and 
come forward and stand or kneel at the steps before the cross. Let's pray.